Hey, world travelers. I'm Samantha Williams. And I'm Samantha Knoll. This is Death on Destination. Each week, we will tell a story of people enjoying paradise before something went terribly wrong. As travel agency owners, we've seen some of the most beautiful locations. And we've also seen what hides just beyond gorgeous tourist sites. Join us this week as we discuss Thelma and Michael King, a gruesome murder in St. Martin. St. Martin is one of the most beautiful islands in the world, with a unique blend of cultures, beautiful beaches, and something always going on. It's really no wonder that the King family fell in love with the island as soon as they stepped foot there. However, just because the crime rate is low doesn't mean that something isn't lurking just around the corner. This is the story of the King family and their tragic deaths. Michael and Thelma King were a couple living in St. Martin from South Carolina. She was the quintessential quiet Southern belle, and he was a little bit more gregarious and could talk to anybody anywhere. He was a retired insurance executive, but both of them had hands in businesses. The couple had been married about 20 years, and they split their time between St. Martin and South Carolina. However, they were not typical snowbirds, as they weren't running away from South Carolina. They absolutely loved it there. They just also enjoyed the island of St. Martin tremendously. Michael and Thelma King loved everything about the St. Martin culture. They loved the people. They loved the island, the weather, the water, pretty much everything. So much so that they bought a condo on the island in the ocean resort area of Cubicoy. They befriended many people and everyone on the island spoke about how friendly the couple were and how they were loved by all. They partnered in the restaurant business with a couple. It was Topper Dubois and his wife, and they owned many restaurants together. St. Martin is an island on the Northeast Caribbean Sea, about 190 miles east of Puerto Rico. It's pretty small, only 34 square miles. And this is really interesting, Sam. It's separated roughly 60% and 40% for the French Republic and the Kingdom of the Netherlands. In fact, this is the only place that they share a border, which I thought was kind of interesting. So both of these areas, if you will, are more of a commonwealth of these countries. However, they do abide by different laws, and they also have different police forces. Unlike a lot of the other Caribbean islands that are known for being laid back, very beach bum-esque, if you will, the island of St. Martin is much more known for their lively, fun, party-going atmosphere. They're a lot more interactive with one another. They have a ton of shopping and very high-end shopping at that. And it's really interesting to see how the two different cultures blend to create a whole new culture of its own. Michael and Thelma spent a lot of their time interacting with the locals, and they truly believed that if they were going to split their time, between the states and the island, that they needed to immerse themselves in both cultures. So while they loved their family and they loved their home life, they also loved creating a secondary home on the island. And it was said by a lot of people that 
Michael was a bourbon lover, so much so that he would bring his own maker's mark to the island and he would give it to the local bartenders to have them resell it back to him so that they could make a profit. They sometimes called him Maker's Mike. And like I said before, no one had a bad thing to say about him. In fact, one person said that they thought when the kings returned home at night, they would have to hang up their wings because they were just angels of people. They oftentimes would, you know, give to those who were less fortunate than they were. Um, There was one instance that I read about, Samantha, that was really heartwarming is one of the wait staff that worked at a restaurant that they co-owned with Hopper DeBall, her car somehow had been broken in half from what I can understand. And Michael DeBall actually gave her money to be able to have transportation back and forth to work until she could figure out how to, how to get her own transportation back. He's also been said that he has given money to people in need of food and things of that sort. So again, this couple was just, they were a very philanthropic couple. They really and truly believed in giving back to those who were less fortunate than they were. That's really sweet. And I think that that just goes to the testament of why they became such good friends with Melanie and Topper DeWall because they tasted some of Melanie and Topper's homemade rum and instantly fell in love with the unique flavors that they had. And I did a little bit of digging online. Some of the flavors that they have are white chocolate raspberry. And this one sounds really interesting. Banana, vanilla, cinnamon. So they were not just your typical run-of-the-mill rum. And both Thelma and Mike seemed to really see the potential in making this a worldwide brand. So when they were back in South Carolina, Michael ordered a storage container and filled it with all the things they would need to start making this rum in large quantities. And he actually had that shipped out to the island. So he had all of this shipped in hopes of being able to create a household name with Topper Melanie and his wife, which I think is just super fun. Like he went all that way, got all of that equipment because he really wanted to invest in someone else's future. That's amazing. It just goes to show what kind of people that they were, how much they truly enjoyed their lives. The Kings were out entertaining friends from home and meeting with friends from the island as well. But while they were out having fun, there was something a little bit more sinister going on behind the scenes that they didn't know about. Michelle Kamar Johnson, 29 years old of Jamaica, Jeremiah Siobhan Mills, 18, of St. Martin, and Jamal Jefferson Woodford, 21 years old, of Guyana. They had borrowed a car from someone and decided that they were going to go on a joyride. Their joyride quickly turned to something a little bit more than a joyride, and they ended up at a Chinese restaurant, the Happy King Chinese, and they ended up robbing the restaurant and took off in $70 in cash. No one was hurt. The police show up and spotted the the trio, and the trio took off running. Well, as you said before, the island is split between two different nationalities, and they ran from the Dutch side to the French side so that they could escape the police. Real 
they knew exactly what they were doing when they ran like that. Exactly. They knew the police. They, they knew the police couldn't follow them. So once they got to the other side, they kind of waited it out, knowing that it would take a while for the Dutch police to get in contact with the French police. And by then, the guys were going to be long gone. So once they kind of laid low for a little while, they decided they were going to go back to the Dutch side. And that's where they ended up near the Ocean Club Villas, where the Kings had their condo. They decided to walk around on the beach. They ditched the car for a little bit. The tide was very low. And just to give you a picture of what these condos and villas looked like, they had a large privacy offense around them. And the only way to get around it was if the tide was extremely low, like it was that evening, or to climb over this fence. And I'm going to tell you, I don't think that that was something that they could do in their right mind when they had been drinking. So they saw a light on and they knew no one else was nearby just based off of the occupancy. They could see in the unit on one side of the King's condo and there were no lights on, no furniture inside. Nothing was there and they were actually on the end. So there was no one on the other side of them. So they knew this would be a very easy rob for them or so they thought. So after an evening with friends, Michael decided he was going to sit up and watch TV because his wife was so tired she was ready to go to bed. So you know how men are, Sam. They'll fall asleep in their recliner or on the couch because they're only going to watch one or two more episodes. It's not a big deal, right? They're just going to come to bed. But we all know what really happens. They fall asleep right there, watching what they said they were going to finish. And so Michael didn't shut these hurricane shutters, which I'm from Oklahoma, so I did not know what hurricane shutters are. But Sam, can you like hop in real fast and tell them what hurricane shutters are? Yeah, so basically it is, we, we have a few different kinds. You can have metal shutters, but the most common kind really is it's literally wooden slats that look like regular shutters, but you can close them and they lock. And what that does is I'm from Alabama, so we get hurricanes all the time, but it protects your windows from the rain and the wind and any debris that may be flying in. And most Caribbean islands and, you know, homes here in the South, are equipped with some sort of either hurricane shutter or some system to protect the home. So he had those open so he could smell the breeze. That makes that makes sense. Like when you're home, you'd have a window open. He had the hurricane shutters open. Right. So wh- while he had fallen asleep on the couch, he awoke to someone sticking a gun at his face near his head. And he put up a pretty good fight. And They seemed to just want to rob him. So he told them upstairs in the safe that there was money. He didn't want trouble and advised them to go get the money and go on about their way. However, when they got upstairs, they also found Thelma asleep and she was startled at the commotion. So she had a very difficult time trying to open the safe for them, which only made them more aggravated. Right. And that's when the story takes a really gruesome turn. So... There's not really a lot of reports saying that they were drunk, but we know that they had been partaking of alcohol earlier in the night. So obviously their states of mind were probably a little altered at this point. And Machane Johnson is the the one who was wielding the knife, so to speak. The other two were there in the background and they were, I guess you would say, aiding in the robbery. But things kind of took a turn and... It ended up to where Michael was stabbed in the back so violently, Samantha, that the knife broke off in his back. Didn't they come with a gun? Where'd they get the knife from? It seems that they got the knife from the kitchen block in the the King's kitchen. 
And so at this point, from what I can tell, because the knife broke off, the one of the other men went and got a second knife to give to Machane. And the couple were, um, Michael was then stabbed. After he was stabbed in the back, he was slashed in the throat twice, resulting in his carotid being cut. And that's what he ultimately died of was blood loss. Meanwhile, Thelma, the three blindfolded and gagged her and tied her to a chair. So while all this is going on, she couldn't see, but she could hear what must have been a horrific scene while her husband was being murdered. And, you know, eventually after Michael was slashed, they slashed Thelma's throat twice, and that's what ultimately killed her. After the murder, and as I said, Machane was the one who actually slit the couple's throats. And then after the murder, it said that they made off with about $80,000 in cash, jewelry, and electronics. And the three left there and with no remorse, left and took off with their loot, as it was called, and went to a, a local brothel where they drank alcohol and partook in adult entertainment. And we all know what that is at, an, at a brothel. Yeah. Topper and his wife, Melanie, got a little concerned when they couldn't reach the couple on the 20th. However, they did know that they had friends in town and thought maybe they just stayed up pretty late, kind of wrote it off, like not a huge deal. But Melanie just had this gut feeling that something was just not right, which Sam, we talk all the time, every day, multiple times a day. If I didn't hear from you from a whole day, I'm calling the police. Right. I'm just, (laughs) I'm just saying. However, they waited until the 21st. And that's when they really realized something was just not right because the Kings didn't show up to get the shipping container we talked about earlier. They didn't show up to receive the shipping container, which was not like them at all. So at that point in time, unbeknownst to the DeBalls, the police had found the black Hyundai that had run from them several nights before. Inside the back of the car, they found a stolen cell phone. And so they started calling numbers directly from the cell phone. And that's how they figured out it belonged to Michael King. But before that, they had no idea why his his phone was in this car. They weren't sure if he was a customer during robbery at the Chinese restaurant or if he was an accomplice to all that was going on that night. But when they called Topper and Melanie from Mike's cell phone, that prompted Topper to take action. Yeah, so Topper was 74, or at the time he was 74. And obviously, so he's not, you know, at 74 years old, you're not as athletic and, and agile as he would have been in his 20s. However, he decided that he was going to go to the king's house to see if he could find them. Well, he couldn't climb the fence to get a view into the king's house. So he asked the landscaper who was there to climb over the fence for him to see if he could see the kings. And the landscaper did just that. But Samantha, when he climbed over the fence, that's when he discovered the gruesome scene of the king's bodies. And he screamed and immediately the police were called and the police immediately notified the family and the family flew out from South Carolina immediately to be on the island to find out what had happened to their loved ones. So meanwhile, the police who 
still have not been communicating about the death and about their stolen vehicle are still thumbing through trying to find evidence in the Black Hyundai. They trace the plates back to a local gentleman and he immediately was like, I did none of this. I did let my friend I let my friend Ms. Shane Johnson borrow my car. He had it all evening and they checked his alibi and he was in fact not in possession of his vehicle that night. So then they find Johnson at his girlfriend's house, which might not sound all that weird to begin with, but Johnson had a wife and three children back home in Jamaica. So he's just a real stand-up guy all around. When the police showed up to his girlfriend's house, he was hiding under a bed because no one's going to look there, obviously. <laughs> In the attempt to detain Johnson, a police officer was injured and Johnson was also injured. I couldn't find out what that means, like how injured they were. However, they finally got him to the police station where he decided to sing like a bird. He didn't have any issue telling on his friend Mills and telling on his friend Wolford. So after he gave the information on Wolford and Mills, Mills was actually caught on October 1st. Then. Good old Wolford was caught on October 5th as he was getting off of a plane in St. Thomas. So he was trying to run. There's a second version of events here, Samantha, that's a little interesting. We all know that Johnson was the one who actually committed the murders. However, the other two, Wolford and Mills, claim that they were only present during the murder of Michael King and that they had stepped outside while Thelma was being murdered. However, even if that is true, they're still just as responsible for the murder because they did nothing to try to stop it. They just stood by and allowed these two people to be murdered senselessly and without remorse or reason. And Mills also said that he didn't know anything about a murder, that he just stole a brick of cocaine and some cash and took off. And that was a complete fabrication. There was no illegal substances found in the King's house. Police went through and did, you know, their due diligence with their investigation. And there were no trace amounts of any illegal drugs or substances in the house at all. So that was a complete fabrication that Mills tried to, to say to try and cover for himself. These guys aren't very smart. No, not at all. All of this can be proven or disproven, I suppose, in this instance. After the brutal murders of September 19th, 2012, it did not take very long for justice to be served. On April 9th, 2013, the trial was set to begin for all three men. The judge anticipated that it would only take two days as she was very certain that the men would be convicted. And St. Martin has very similar laws as the United States in that the judge does make the final sentence ruling. However, they do take into account the jury and the prosecution in that decision. Johnson received life in prison. Mills received 28 years and Wolford received 22 years respectively, which was the highest that they could be given as St. Martin does not have the death penalty. Samantha, something that I found chilling was in every report that I read, and I'm sure you did too, it, they stated that Johnson, as he was being led from the courtroom, he literally turned back to the galley and smiled at the King's family as if to say, I did this. I have no remorse and have a good day. 
I, I just don't understand how someone can be so callous. The other two would not even speak to the court. The judge scolded all of them for not only their actions, but also for harming the image of the island. Topper and Todd, Todd King was Michael King's brother. And he, you know, the two were very close. He has always had dealings with Michael and his businesses in some form or fashion. And so Topper and Todd continued to push for Topper's rum and even added Michael's signature to the bottle. Sometimes the people who meet the worst ends are the kindest people. We have to always remember that just because we know a place and love it doesn't mean we're exempt from the tragedy that can happen there. Thank you for joining us this week, and we hope you join us again next week as we discover another vicious crime that happened on Destination. This has been a Last Choice podcast where we may not have been your first choice, but we'll certainly be your last.